Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this preview of my conversation with Ranjit Bajaj in light of his exit from Punjab FC. True to form, once again, uh, Ranjit pulls no punches. Uh, uh, you know, I would uh, request all of you, you know, when you listen to his criticism, just uh, remove the emotion from it and try not to personalize it. But let's try and look at the, the factual aspects of what he's saying and what his intention is. And again, I'd say I'd rather talk to somebody who speaks their mind openly rather than somebody who's um, you know, hiding their actual intentions. Um, so the, the conversation is largely about his exit and the future. And again, we go back to this kind of circular topic about the structure of the professional league. And, you know, we've created a perfect storm in our system. Uh, no, no matter how much someone wants to justify their decisions. The game is the game. And you're not going to turn on the faucet, you know, and just like water comes out, the players are going to come out. And why do I say this? Because we've got basically the perfect storm of square pegs that we're trying to stuff into round holes. And that's why this conversation is a circle. So first of all, we need player development um, to improve. There's no doubt. Doesn't mean you ignore the top ladder, but the reality is the vast majority of resources go into the top of the ladder, not the bottom. When your need is, right, your need is more important at the bottom of the ladder to improve the top. Secondly, the professional league isn't owned by the owners. Uh, it's, it's owned by, you know, in what is, it, it, is, it is what it is. The nature of it is that it's going to be conflicted at times. It's, it's owned by a private body and the federation kind of jointly, no matter how, whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, I know it's a licensed agreement officially and, I'm not trying to disparage anyone, but look, it creates conflicts of interest and, and business interests. And those, those interests are not aligned with the first bucket that I told you, which is the need of the hour is player development and has been right for a long time. Uh, and I'm not uh, here to talk about intentions. Uh, I don't think it really matters. I mean, uh, uh, there is a business aspect to this. And like I've always said, I always, I've understood the, the tactics. So if your need is development and you have a, a, a situation where the league is not owned by the owners at the top and the majority of resources are going to the top and the third piece of this perfect storm of square pegs trying to go into round holes, what's the third piece? And I, I say it to an you know, I've said it before. It costs more money to develop a player today than acquiring a free agent, which is precisely cost zero, right? So what is your incentive to invest in grassroots development besides your passion and your values? 
And so if there's no solidarity payments and the top of the game isn't totally a merit-oriented system, right? You're really reducing the incentives for investment at the lower rung. And you're going to go into this conversation about who's right and wrong. And that's, like I said, it's circular and it won't get us anywhere because we're trying to put square pegs in round holes. And that's why I don't, I don't largely get into these arguments about is the ISL good, the I league good, no matter which league it is, we know now everyone's been exposed that there's financial issues, right? At the top of the game, especially. Um, teams from across the leagues have had issues meeting payments. It's public. Okay. I'm not saying anything uh, that's like disparaging anyone. It's just reality. You know, uh, there are challenges. Right. And now with the, obviously the, the impact of COVID-19, which has had a, an impact on the core businesses of a lot of people who invest in professional sports, uh, including people who invest in Indian football. Right. It's, it's had an impact on core businesses. It's not like it hasn't. Naturally, that's going to, again, uh, uh, pose challenges. So uh, Listening to listen to my conversation with Rajiv in light of those points I've presented to you, and hopefully after you're done with the conversation, and I do challenge Ranjit on his views, I do uh, put forth what I think would be an opposing viewpoint. Um, if you're listening, you know I'd love to hear from all of you about solutions where we get past this idea about who's better and more about what, what's going to put India in its best position to succeed uh, in rising as a football nation in, in Asia. That's really what we're trying to get at. And I thank you again for tuning in. And I thank Ranjit for being so honest, uh, even though you may not like sometimes uh, how he delivers uh, his answers. Uh, he, he's so, so straightforward and honest. It's again refreshing. So cheers to everyone. And thank you again for tuning in. We've been getting great feedback and amazing appreciation. Uh, recently, I want to point out Ajay Menon, who wrote a beautiful note uh, about the show on LinkedIn on the episode we had with Pradyum Reddy. And uh, we're going to get, you know, Pradyum's going to come on again. Uh, and we're going to keep, we're going to keep talking about stuff and, and trying to make things better. Uh, that's, that's what the show's all about. And I'm glad, uh, we're having a positive impact. So thank you again. And I hope you enjoy listening in to Ranjit Bajaj. Cheers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Rupee Ball Show. This is your host, Yogi Moria. I'm here again with Ranjit Bajaj. Ranjit, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, how are you doing? Um, so far, so good. Uh, keeping safe. And uh, hopefully, uh, we are able to ride this out like everyone else. Right. So, Ranjit, let's get right to it. Uh, you recently announced that you, you exited Punjab FC and you are going to uh, focus your efforts on your academy at Minerva. Tell us about it. Why the decision to uh, go in this direction? See, the, as you know, Yugesh, we've been struggling with the football scene in the country for the past few years, not few years now, for more, more than a decade. And so many clubs have just been shutting down because 
it's uh, virtually they make it virtually impossible for us to survive and it's whatever the clubs are doing it's in spite and despite of the non support of the federation so uh, we saw that it was going towards a area that means when we went for the afc meeting we came to know that we are going to be relegated to the second division but we still had a hope of the afc spot that okay fine if we win it we might get to play uh, afc cup but this year somehow whatever reason they may give they've taken that spot away from the league and now three teams from the isl so who says next year they'll not come up with some other reason and take the spot away again then did one sure go ahead go ahead continue two other reasons were see we play uh kind of history we play to be in a league which has got a lot of history so you had mohan bagan east bengal and you had four matches with them which we knew that we every time we played them we had a chance to make history and then mohan bagan east bengal going away what that has done not only has it robbed the league of at least 80 to 90% of its sheen see with bangalore fc going out earlier and then mohan bagan east bengal going out you've taken the three main teams which were the you know you can call up the manus and the man cities of or chelsea or whatever you say of the indian i league so next next year getting a broadcaster will be virtually impossible because looking at the scene now and then with these three teams or now two teams not being there you won't be getting that so the whole cycle of getting a sponsor then will become impossible again so the financial part of it didn't make sense at all uh, especially because there's no promotion see if there was promotion you might just spend that money hoping that you'll be playing in the top league but there is no promotion but there is relegation there is no promotion but there is relegation so you you fuck up you're down to the third division okay right yeah but even if you win it you stay there no big deal so i thought that for the next 3 years even if i spend 50% of the money which i spent on the ily club on the academy uh, in 3 years i'll have an academy which is again good enough to compete with india's best because i know how to scout and i know how to train the boys so we have still have our land we still have our pitches we still have our facility the residential facility everything is still ours so the only thing i've actually sold is the name punjab fc and honestly speaking in india still minerva fc people know minerva more than people know punjab fc so right spot which was sold was not actually really wanted by me that much because there was no point of competing in it because we are relegated to second division and no chance of promotion after 3 years yes but again not getting in by buying a club and getting in there getting in by doing the hard work so if we like i used to say that we don't care you put minerva in the fifth division if you deserve to be there in the first division one day we'll get there same way we are there in the second division or third division and there's a chance open to get to the first division by and by we'll get there because we trust our academy boys what uh, did they give you a reason for why it's uh, the afc cup uh, seat was taken away from the i league uh, winner it's a technicality because apparently the club gets to choose it's not the federation so mohan bagan won the i league and atk won the isl and both of them had spots so instead of if afc if atk had taken that spot they would have had to pay a qualifier whereas the i league winner was guaranteed a direct spot into the group stage of the afc cup so they picked and cho- chose their that spot 
So once ATK chose, so they have the option of choosing. Right. Once they chose this, then I League spot was taken away. And that's why the second spot of the I League went to the finalist, which was uh, whoever the finalist was. Right. Bangalore and Goa. Um, okay. So now, uh, in terms of three years from now, you know, this is an AFC mandated roadmap. You were, were kind of, you know, you fought very hard for that. And you also, you know, you were willing to meet halfway on this. Uh, what's your confidence level that in three years, the picture will be what it looks like on paper? See, if we have, I mean, I don't know how to trust anyone because when our own president keeps on, in 2014, he used to say that we we're going to qualify in the 2018 World Cup and in 18, he used to say 22. And now he's saying 26. When he makes these kind of statements, mm -hmm. And then anything mm -hmm. which comes out of their mouth is not trustworthy at all. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's such lame bullshit. Because come on, I mean, 2050 is when Japan expects to win the World Cup. They're already number one in Asia. And that's what they're planning for. Now, 2050 means that those boys have not even been born yet. That's the kind of planning is required. And these guys keep on talking about the next four years. Because, see, that's the kind of planning they have and vision they have. So that's why I'm really pessimistic now. I used to be a very optimistic person, but I'm really pessimistic about what they do with Indian football because right now it's in the wrong hand. How do you, uh, you know, you're very outspoken and you express your views. Uh, you're, you're, you're quite critical. How, how does that, uh, you know, how does that make you feel and does that ever make you feel ineffective? You know, the tendency in our country is not to be this outspoken, typically. Yes, see, uh, that's, that's why we don't strive for excellence. Because we don't call a spade a spade the way it should be done. And that's why it's the chalta hai attitude, which is, okay, fine, doesn't matter, chalta hai. Chalo, thoda sa yeah. Chalo, under 14, chalo, 16 saal ka, chalo, khilal ho, yaar, 2 saal ka, to farak hai, yaar. 16 mein khilal ho, to kya ho, yaar. You know, this kind of chalta hai attitude is what has been dogging Indian football. Whereas I believe that we are where we are because of the administration we have. If we had administration uh, like what we have probably in hockey right now, we would be competing in the top 10 of Asia. See, it's not a very different game. When you say hockey and football, they're not very different games. And when you see the countries which do well in hockey, they do excellent in football. Like for Argentina, uh, or if you go to uh, the Europe, if you go to Europe, you see England, or you see Germany, or you see Netherlands, or you see Australia. In in, in Asia, who does well is Japan and South Korea. So somehow these guys are doing well in hockey and in football, but we are able to beat them in hockey, but not in football. So there is something very strange happening. So it's not the genes factor. It's not that Indians can't do it. We are we've got world championship medals now in boxing, in weightlifting, in wrestling. So power and stamina are not the problem. The population, so when you've got Iceland doing that and qualifying for the Euros and going to the finals and then qualifying for the World Cup and 3 lakhs, man, 300,000 is what we have in a Diwali Ka Mela, man. Right. So these things don't stand steep anymore. These, these arguments about all the arguments they've been making for their incompetence is all being proved wrong by other sports. 
So in India, you can't say that we can compete in one sport at the world level and we can't compete in other sports. If we can do it in one sport, okay, fine. You know, cricket is different. Being a world champion in cricket is no fucking big deal because you've got 10 countries playing it and three of them are Pakistan, Bangladesh and now even Nepal and Sri Lanka. Man. So, right. So you need to be, if you want to be a global domination in, you're talking about having a 5 trillion economy and being the top three economies in 2030, you better be in the top 10, 15 world uh, football teams because people just don't look at you seriously if you're not doing well in sports. China realized that and this, why do you think they really spend so much of money? Because they know that along with this, the countries who are very well developed also are doing well in sports. So to prove to the world that we have developed, we need to do well in sports in general. And I think too much of efforts are being put um, on things which, again, from even in the Olympics, it's a top-down approach. Then they, every four years, the Olympics come across and then they just, they just select these best hopefuls and they spend shitloads of money on them. So they can improve. They're already very good. Okay, So they can improve by this much. Whereas, if you want to be in the next world champion, if you spend the same shitloads of money on five, six, seven-year-olds, you'll get 100 of those gold medalists. Again, uh, in ISL, this top-down. All the money is being spent from there. So if you bloody give them a rule, that four of your starting 11 have to be academy grown players. They have to spend at least three years at your academy. Oh my God, every fucking bloody club will spend at least two crore rupees on their academy every year. I can guarantee you we'll be in the Asian Cup in five years. That's the way to do it. Not by playing an arrows team. That just gives you, what, 20 boys who are getting that game time. But if you want every bloody club to be having a great academy and not just doing it for show. That means for fulfilling their AFC requirements and just fucking getting the academy together two months before the thing and taking money from actual parents and saying, okay, we'll play you. We'll give you a tough playing in the IE and you give us what, whatever money and two months, one month before they call them and they just play them. doesn't matter. They lose 20-0, 15-0 and there's no development. So, and then... It has to start with what? With the coaches. The AIFF, I think, are making a very huge blunder in thinking that coaches are a cash cow. They're not. They are your biggest asset. So if you, for example, um, we had a de-licensed course here. And first of all, we offered it for 20,000 bucks. And we had like 10 people register for it. So I said, what is the cost of the course to me? So the cost of the course to me was around a lakh. So I said, fucking put it open, man. Let everybody who deserves to have it open. And 30 people registered who were not registered. So we made it a full scholarship course. Now, I'm just giving you the economics and the vicious cycle of it. So suppose you want to hire, you know you run a club, man. You run a top division club in India. You want to hire a B license. You will not pay less than 50, 60, 70 grand minimum if it's a good B license. And for a C license, 30 to 40 grand, you know. And for a D license, 20, 25, 30, depending on how much experience he has or whatever, man. So, but see what the licenses cost. A D license costs 20,000. And it costs 15 days of your life, 10, 12 days of your life. A C license will cost you 30 to 40 grand and it will cost you one month of your life. That means no salary in that month from anywhere. As B license costs you over almost a lakh. A, a license will cost you bloody two lakhs and two months of your life. And... Every time you go for these licenses, it's not a 
guarantee that you'll make it. You might just fail. So you expect how many how many coaches in India do you think they are who will be able to even if they are on B license salaries of 60,000, a month to afford a one-time fee of two and a half lakhs to try to get an A license and also be able to forego their salary of two months of not working in a club. So you cut down your numbers there. So the number of people, how many A licenses do you have? How many B licenses do you have in India? In Belgium, there are over fucking 10,000 B licenses, man. And that's where the football generation, that's what they're, they're super, they're, they said, what is the secret to success? We just, they said, we just started handing over license. Handing over means that they had to pass it, obviously. But we didn't make it a money-making thing. We made it so cheap that everybody, even a high school uh, football coach could go afford a B license. Right now, uh, if you, I'm talking about grass, I'm not talking about if you go to Hyderabad and you see the top schools, they'll be able to afford it to give these coaching licenses to their coaches. I'm talking about if you go to a small village, man, and there there's one government school and you want that, that guy should be the B license. And if you say, okay, fine, we'll get you a B license in 5,000 if you're able to pass it, more likely or not, he'll be, he'll take it. And imagine that is what grass, unless you have good coaches at that level, which is not happening. So instead of that happening, which I can't do, that means I'm not being able to obviously make so many coaches who can go all over India. We are trying to get boys at the age of five, six, and seven and keep them here for 10 years because we feel that if we do the correct scouting like we are doing and we've been known to do and we get the boys because we don't have any competition at that age. We can get all the boys. We can get the cream of the lot. And we train them for 10 years. And every year, instead of checking them out in I-leagues, we check them out. You take, so the money which I'll be spending on I-league, if you spend 20 to 30 lakhs on a tour and you take your under nines or tens to Barcelona or Spain, basically, and you play them against five Spanish clubs, all under nines. The next day, you take them to Germany and you play them against five German clubs, all te- under tens, and then so and so, so and so. Every year, you play them against kids of their level, of, their, of the, uh, those things. See, today, you and me, for example, you and me are in the Indian team, hopefully, okay? We can drink. So, to, to, today, we are playing an exhibition match against Bayern Munich. And you and me, before getting into that match, as Indians or who we are, we'll never be thinking that, okay, fuck, man. Come on, Yogesh, we'll thrash them today. No, man, we'll be thinking, oh my God, how do we fucking keep this to not getting our asses kicked? Because that thing, the belief is not there in our minds. We know it. Whereas when you pit a six-year-old against a six-year-old from Barcelona, there is no Barcelona there. The six-year-old thinks, sees him as a six-year-old. So that belief from that level, then from that age, making them in the right nutrition habits, in the right rehab and teaching them about injury prevention and talking to them about the importance of um, the, what kind of food you eat and getting them into the habits of eating that kind of food at that age is having a head start even to the European countries because they start at 7-8. So hoping that if this works even to a degree which is 50% of what I um, dream of, I think and everybody starts doing it, that's when we are going to be a world power. We need 100 Minervas. We need 100 Tata Football Academies. If, unfortunately, in India, one opens, one closes. Like, we, I would have hoped that Tata Football Academy, like we've grown up looking at 
the best players in India coming from TFA. That's the holy grail of producing young talent. So when we came up, it was that, okay, fine, now Minerva is there and Tata Football Academy is there and AFF is doing his own job. But bloody hell, Jamshedpur came in and since Jamshedpur has come in, there's not even been one boy from Tata Football Academy to play for India. So that means ISL coming in has just killed TFA. That's what's just happened. And no one's talking about it. That was our only source. So you can't... and. See, again, it's a private thing and Minerva is a private thing. And these academies will come and go. You have to have this ecosystem of at least 100 academies and that's only going to happen when AFF makes it um, compulsory for every team to have homegrown academy products. So people say, no, no, it's all bullshit. It's, you know, it will get the level of football down or it's not possible. Manu has done it for 40 years in a row, man. 40 years they've had an academy product in their first team for every bloody match. And they're not even known, I mean, in the top 10 academy producing players. is When you think of academy, you talk about La Masaya, or you talk about, in England, you talk about Southampton. But you never think of Man U. But that's their record. Sure. And uh, so, what, you know, to just go back to the I-League for a second, what, what do you think it's going to look like next year? It looks really, really scary. For I-League, I think it's really scary. Because if this is true, which I think it is, that I, and I, I'm, I know somehow or the other they're going to do it. Because if Mohan Bagan is not there in the I-League, East Bengal is not going to stay there for long. By hook or crook, they'll be there. Now, once that happens, which is going to happen now, you can see which teams are left. And when you see those teams, each team will be wanting, will be okay in cutting the budget down. Because they know that for the next three years, survival is the name of the game. It's just survival. Just don't be relegated. Okay, don't want to win it, don't win it, win it, don't win it, doesn't matter. But just don't be relegated, stay in the second division so that when there's a chance to get promoted, you are still there in the reckoning. If that happens, there's going to be major price corrections. So either, so I'll tell you that 50% of Indian footballers will be unemployed next year. Why? Because either you will get a contract in the ISL and if you don't do that, then they're not, there's going to be no reserve teams, by the way, because all ISL teams will cut costs and they'll cut massive costs. And okay, being honest with you, see, we have Minerva Academy, which other than uh, football I'm talking about, is, which is, we train boys for the armed forces, the NDAs. Yeah. yeah. See, now it's not working. It's off. It's shut down since April and our main months of earning is from April, May, June, July, August when the summer holidays are there. 70% is what we earn from there. So, we are screwed. The same way, imagine Delton, I'm just giving an example, FC Goa, Delton Casino. They used to spend a small portion of their revenue as a CSR activity or maybe even as a passion or whatever. But that small portion of the revenue, that entire revenue is not there now. So that small portion will not come. Or even if that comes, it will be really, really small. So there'll be major contract renegotiations, even in the ISL. Some teams might close. Some might just struggle along, like they've been struggling along. But there'll be, not only in, in this world, there'll be major price corrections in the world. But in India, the, because there is no set second division and third division and fourth division, and there's no actual format right now, we'll have at least five, 500 to 600 professional footballers out of total work. 
because see if they if the second division crumbles the third division which is now the second division i league will crumble itself do you think this was going to happen anyway or it's a direct result of covid-19 no i think it was going to happen anyway so why mm. mohan bagani's bengal going out was the death knell for this and then no promotion for two year three years see if there was promotion there's still some interest okay if there's an afc cup spot okay people can say okay for you still fighting for something sure but there's nothing there's no and there's no history making you know like he's bengal mohan bagan and they'll probably promote two more clubs from the second division to make up for these clubs and they'll not relegate somebody so it'll probably again be kind of a closed league because for two years they don't want new clubs coming in and out there'll be no relegation there'll be no promotion and it'll be not i don't think many people would like to see that league because the only charm of was i league was promotion and relegation and everyone fighting tooth and nail to the last day for the last result it is not going to be there anymore so that you know you look at the current short term situation or if a short to medium term costs have um gotten to a level where there had to be some rationalizing then you add the covid 19 situation um and then you have uh this this road map which the the consequence of the short term is um you're 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 you if you're playing in the top league you're you're potentially expending a lot more than you can say you're going to get back for that short period of time uh, even if your motivation was just uh getting an AFC cup seat or getting promoted um so now you you said something about trust and um you know obviously i mentioned you had that public battle you fought and fought to have this this road map consider the i league and and essentially allow for a unique structure where there is promotion and relegation rather unique the only one in the world actually Do you have a doubt that that is going to happen? Uh looking at it now, see what's happening like the way you put it because see we can definitely go back and uh talk about some force majeure uh conditions happening and saying that the uh, now because these two years I thought we were really suffering so this two year plan instead of a three year plan we're going to make it into a six year plan and they're going to buy themselves more time and then in 6 years their contract is over as it is which is going to happen and that's still not going to happen because the contract renegotiated and written according to whatever is good for those 10 clubs or 12 clubs right being honest with you as long as the top league is being owned by a private entity and it's not being owned by the federation is very difficult not to have conflict of interest even if you try and try to for example right now you have uh, so many of them in the ISL and when you had the chennai ins owners husband being the chairman of the ISL as well so all these things happening the it's very difficult for the indian football fan to trust that everything is right i mean so you're you know you're not sure whether you're going to come back in 3 years for sure is that what i'm kind of hearing from you so if there is going to be no football what will i come back to 
I'll come back to not coming back to the top league and paying money. I'll never be doing that. If it means right. second division, yes, yes, getting into second division and then qualifying by winning the second division, getting into the I League, then winning the I League and getting into the top league of the country, that suits me just fine. If it takes me three years to do it, perfect. If there is no league and it doesn't happen and then it starts after five years, I do it then. But I'll never be paying for it. But what I will be doing in the same time is putting all my efforts and my resources now on my young boys. So imagine we were able to get so many internationals for India and so many titles and so many great moments uh, when we didn't have anything. We didn't have much. We were not anywhere near in the, even in the same breadth as all these ISL academies were. And we were still able to get the results. Imagine if those boys now with the training methodology we have are supported by world-class facilities. Imagine what we can do. So my aims are now very, um, I, my aims are not now looking at three years or four years down the line. It's the 2034, 2038. Those results will start coming in 2030. Another 10 years before I can even start thinking of whether things are going right or not. Sure. And you know, you you mentioned you know you you feel strongly that our FA uh, has gotten a lot of these decisions wrong. What uh, you know? What 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 do you feel, or how do you feel uh, things could ever necessarily change? See. I really don't see things changing as long as there's someone at the top who um, has football as his only or at least his number one priority. That means the number one priority should be Indian football. And that's the guy running Indian football. So unless we have that person at the top or at the second rung of the leadership, that means the secretary or the president level, I don't think Indian football is going to go anywhere because it is still living in ancient times and the decisions still happen according to moving files between departments. There's still archaic bullshit is going on there. And even if an Indian football wants to improve, they are held back by... And I'm not talking about the mid-level executives there in AIFA. They are all young guys who are very professional, by the way. So if they are given a top leadership which is as professional as the guys they keep on hiring, things can get better. But... End of the day, unless the guy at the top is going to be moving his ass at the speed of a tortoise or a turtle, this is not going to work. And that's what's happening. Our, and his, the vision there in the, for these guys is how do, I get, how do I secure my next four years? Or how do I make sure after four years I'm still sitting on the same seat? And not after 10 years, even if I am not here, the seeds I sow make sure that India gets to the World Cup. We've unfortunately had zero presidents in the last 30 years or 40 years since, I have, since I've been born at least that who have actually talked about Indian football 10 years in advance. Sadly, every guy who comes to the top talks about what we are going to be doing in, there in three years or four years and, hangle, and, and dangles a little carrot in front of the Indian public. And we, the Indian fans, seem to take it because we, have, we are helpless. Because the way they have rigged this entire constitution of the AIFF, there's no way, uh, in fact, Jaidi Basu yesterday wrote a brilliant article 
about, I didn't even know about it, the way elections have been conducted for the last 20, 30 years in the AIFF and how it's got nothing to do with who deserves to win, but always who's got more money power and political clout is the guy who wins. So, these things are happening in BCCI, these things are happening everywhere. So, unless a sports code comes in and we make sure that the right people who know to run sports are running our sport, the future is not very bright. So, let me, um, just for a second, let's just play a little devil's advocate. Uh, uh, whoever gets into that position of president, uh, I'm, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate to be as objective as I can. Um, do they really have the mandate to think 10 or 15 years ahead? Or are they also under pressure from constituents? No. See, to they, think short term. You, you know, I'm just pointing out, it seems like a position where you're under fire no matter what you do. By the way, see, you have to have a politician sometimes doing his part, but then you need to hire somebody to run the football. For example, right. they may be really good in getting India the World Cup under 17 and then getting us under 17 Women's World Cup and getting us the Asian Cup. And right, right. Require a politician to do that, administration cannot do that. To attend all the bloody meetings in FIFA, okay, let him do that. But then hire a proper CEO and let him do his job. Because see, because CEO will then do it according to which is the best mandate for Indian football. Uh, he can do his jobs and keep those the constituents happy and do his shit as well. But we need to have somebody who's actually planning this out because kids are born and you have to start thinking of them at that age when they start becoming, start playing football. They should be starting at the age of five, six, seven. From the ages of six, they need to have a plan all the way to 25. So that means they need to have a 20-year plan minimum for football to grow. From the ages football, the kid starts football till the time he starts playing for India and starts playing professional football, 15 to 20 year plan is a must. Four year and, plan. Uh, sure. So, okay, my next question, again, just trying to speak for what might be, uh, if I say the other side, uh, quote unquote, the, the contract with Reliance, IMG Reliance, which you, you exposed uh, publicly, um, and they're paying uh, whatever amount per year, significant amount uh, for this uh, ownership of these licensing rights, right? Significant amount of money, am I right? Uh, not, not so significant. Okay. It's around uh, see 700 crores for 10 years that's around 70 crores a year but okay the top amount that's people don't realize it's not a minimum 700 so it can go up to 700 uh, right now they are supposed to be getting around 50 crores a year that's what they've been getting for the last okay year. they get the same amount from uh, the Indian government as well around 50 crores another 50 crores so I'm just being, now again, looking at it, I don't think it is very tough uh, to get the contract at this time if you have the ISL kind of a product and if you had to actually sell these rights to a broadcaster, you would get a decent amount. You would get, I would say, close to or more than 50 to 60 crores a year. But the whole world over, the whole world over, 
all clubs. In fact, not all clubs, by the way. So when I say they have sold Indian football, I talk about uh, the fact that they've sold even the first division clubs, second division clubs, and right down to the grassroots they've sold. Why? In England, the Premier League is what earns money. The billions of dollars which come into the Premier League, but that does not only go to the Premier League. It trickles down. Uh, the championship clubs get a certain percentage of that. Then the first division, then the second division, third division, fourth division. You, and then you have solidarity fees. That means, you know, if Academy produces a player and he's been with me for two years, for example, Vikram Pratap Singh, he was with Chandigarh Football Academy for two years. He was with us for three years. He was with Arrows for one year. And they sold him a fucking for a crore. And we get shit. And CFA gets shit. But just because what they just pick him up and play him for a year and give him game time, they get all the money. Whereas if there was solidarity compensation, so I don't mean about Minerva, I mean, suppose there's one little Manipuri coach who just, fee, just runs his little academy in the village and he gets 50,000 rupees every year because one of his boys is getting a contract every year, but that money is trickling down to him. That is So let's, let's just break this down for a second. Okay. There's a couple of layers here. Um, you know, you, the Premier League is owned by the owners. I mean, the owners own it and they hire their chief executive and they take – not that it's perfect either. There's plenty of championship clubs who complain about the amount of money they get being too, yeah, too little and, the, and the, the solidarity payment causes inflation in wages. But, you know, when, when the other teams get relegated. But just to hold your point, you're saying – there's nothing here. You're saying if they had, if they created a, it could have been the iLeague, maybe iLeague version 2.0, they could have sold the rights uh, to a, a, a broadcaster. See, it's a proven product. It's not that it's not going to be there. So when this contract ends, they have a ready-made league, which will any broadcaster in India or abroad will minimum pay 50 to 60 to 100 crores a year guaranteed. Why? Because they'll have 20 teams playing so many matches. But that, that, that amount of money, Ranjit, falls far short of what is needed by the teams to operate if you even just divide it evenly. That's before broadcasting costs. That's the thing. But that's where it's going to come from. See, if we were cricket yeah. right now, we would get 50,000 crores. Okay? Like IPL is making billions of dollars. Because we are football and we are starting off at this level, this money will keep on rising. And 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, this will become a business which will become a boom for footballers because there'll be enough money coming in. Right now, there is no chance. Ever. So, so okay, let's just... If it's owned by the broadcaster, there's no way you're going to get... The only way you're going to make money is from sponsors. Right. I agree with you on that. But even if it wasn't, it seems like the money's going to be shy for a number of years still. It's still oh, yeah. going to be short. It is. Right? It's really going to be short. So, so you do price adjustments and you can't have thinking, you know, see the point is that's exactly what I'm saying. You're spending the money in the wrong place. You keep on spending all the little money you have on the top fucking league. Whereas if you spend that amount of money, 50 crores a year on just the grassroots, in 10 years, you'll have a league like Asia, in like Korea or like Japan with that level of football. Because right now, how much money is reaching the grassroots? 5 lakh rupees of that 50 crore rupees if you spend. 
every 50 crores, 5 lakh reaches the actual grassroots point. So you are spending the money in the wrong place and thinking that you will get that 1% improvement every year. Yes, which you are. Right. By the I think I think that's a, a legitimate point. If the resources go to the top, improving the bottom is going to be much more difficult. We're putting for the last 30 years, we've been putting all the money in the top clubs. 10 years ago, the fucking payments used to be in crores to players as well. I remember Churchill and Dempo and all, they used to be paying crores to players. So this money has been going to the top for the last 20 years. And that's why there's been no money going there. And that's why we've been in between 100 and 190. And that's where we'll remain. Because and uh, so, so Brunji, just to, to some of the numbers you were throwing around, I mean, I know they may not be exact or, but you, you know, you mentioned it's, it's up to perhaps 700 crores over 10 years. So it's not a, it's no. not a floor. It's not a minimum. Yes. So it's not a minimum. Nah. Like they started off with just 30, 35 crores a year. And it's supposed to go up to a 70 crores. Somebody has just said and, if everything goes well. But everything and the government, the government gives the federation additional funding. Another 40 to 50 crores a year. So and what do you, what do you think the, uh, I, I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers myself, but what is the annual operating budget for the federation? Um, I think the annual operating budget. You had to guess. Rough guess should be around 60 to 70 crores. And the, of the like they had a, for example, they, for, this, for the World Cup, under 17 World Cup, there was a special provision which the government had made. If you don't count that. Right, sure. We're hosting a global event, so it needs funding. They've been getting around 40 to 50 crores from the Federation, um, from the NSF, the National Sports Federation Fund. And now, hopefully, according to the contract from next year, they were supposed to get 65 to 70 from the ISL. But I don't know if that's going to happen. So, and then with that, those funds, they are supposed to run the football of the country. Now, in the football of the country comes, obviously, the I-League, the second division, the women's league, uh, the, all the junior leagues. But see, in the junior leagues, uh, we have the ISL teams also playing. So, they are... Uh, basically costing us that much more for them. But the amount of money they're putting in back to us is not that much. And if even if you have it, see, if you make it so difficult for new clubs to come up, even if you tell ISL clubs that they have to have a minimum amount of expenditure on their academies, it's not going to be viable because you can never actually go and audit everyone how much money they spend. You can, but what, it, what can be audited is a boy being in your academy for three years. And that's so, allowed to right. play. So let's get to that. You made the, a, a very good point. You know, none of us at this point, uh, and it was a, a big, big area of toxicity in the United States, uh, that there's no solidarity payments. And uh, recently, I know there's a proposal now with the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation ending the Development Academy. Now, MLS and the other leagues are running their own competition. And I saw in a draft paper that they have a formula for solidarity payments. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it be, now I can speak for myself. I mean, we've invested in players in second division and they go, I league, I sell, we don't get anything. Uh, 
Nothing, which I mean, I knew that going in, but if we did, our incentive obviously goes up exactly. up 10 times. I mean, you know. you'll spend more on scouting. You'll go to the furthest areas to find those gems which ISL or ILE right. have not been able to find because you know an ILE club will pay you, make it worth your while. Suppose I pick, why do I pick a player from your club? Because he has rocked it at the second division. He's played really well. He's proven himself. But he, I would have never come to know about him unless he had played in the second division. So yes, you deserve something for that. So it's not being clubs being greedy. You, you have how many buying clubs you have there in the world? You only have 10%, 20% of the ones who are buying. You have to have selling clubs. You can't just have all buying clubs. So you like my model is yours. See, it's the same thing. If I pick up a player from you, and I'm okay in paying you two lakhs because tomorrow if he plays well in the I League, I can sell him for twenty lakhs. But those twenty lakhs will help me in running my next season. Those two lakhs will help you running in your next season, and give you the little incentive. Why do you think? You know, we're very. You know, uh, having been here now more than twenty years, we're very good. Uh, we're very good at figuring out money in our country. We're great at calculating, okay? Uh, interest, expenses, yeah. you know, profit margins. We're, we're very, very good. Instantly, we, think we figure things out here. Why so hard to create the system? Why do you think we haven't had any kind of formula for solidarity payments till date? Because see, it doesn't suit the big clubs. Because they'll have to pay a little bit extra now. They don't understand it's a part of your payment. But so all the big clubs know, the ones who are receiving it, that we'll have to get only 80% of the income or 85% or 90% of the total sale value. So it, we'll have to share. We'll have to start sharing everything. We are now the transfers because see, the, it's just started now. Transfer fees of actually selling players was unheard of. And it started in the last three, four years when one club has gone, the other player has gone to the other club and the other club has actually asked for transfer fees. So once that has started, now clubs are saying, this: why should we share this now, starting with academies who have got no say or no right, who are so minuscule? Nobody well, yeah, it's, a, it's a bad premise because if they, from a perspective of the federation, encouraging people like us to invest in grassroots by offering this is good for them. Secondly, you know, in Europe, I mean, I know uh, uh, teams who are the feeder feeder clubs, they get a cut every time the player transfers. So he can make a, he can make a move to the second division, but then he gets bought by the Premier League. The, the team that was lower yes, still gets a cut of that. Yes, it goes, it goes through the life of the player's uh, career. I actually got it. Uh, and it's, that helps continue to fund their academy in these lower league theater football clubs. Saved, and this is known as a solidarity contribution. I don't know if you can see it. Kind of, but yeah. So this is what happens. This is FIFA recognized and this is what... Yeah. So, I mean, if this starts it keeps happening... On, it keeps on giving like a, like a fixed deposit. I mean... Academies will then be encouraged to open up because they know. See, if I have an academy, I'll give you an example. I'll open up an academy. I'm in Manipur or I'm in Goa or I'm in first place and I open up my academy and it's only meant for kids who are between 8 and 12. 
no matter what kids come to me, I know if even bloody one of them makes it, that money will keep on coming to me till he's 23, 24. And that makes it more imperative for me to go out in my neighborhood and get kids away from other sports to come and play football. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the bloody sports come play football. Even at youth level, we've had, we've identified, you know, I thought that we identify so many players, but they're allowed to move freely. So somebody else wants them, they just take them. We don't get any compensation. We've scouted, we've trained, we've identified. No solidarity payment. And just that little thing. It's, and it's a, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for everything, Yogesh. How do we make it happen? It's a win-win for everyone except the ones in power. So we need, again, we need someone who really cares about football at the top, who knows what's going on and not thinking about three years in, in advance. I mean, for him, go and talk to him about solidarity payment. He said, what is that? Oh, uh, come on, come on, let's go. That's pretty harsh. That, but that's pretty harsh. Uh, you don't feel that's pretty harsh? Uh, this is a, a, making you know. the academies close everywhere is making clubs close everywhere. Suppose, suppose I, I had to, this year, last year, it was the first time any club stood up against East Bengal and Mohan Bagan and I actually got East Bengal banned because they were trying to poach my player. So right. now, now I'm trying, now East Bengal's entire fan group is against me and they hate me and they want to kill me. Why? Because I cost them the title according to them because for the first season they could not, for the first part of the season they could not get any players. But I said it's not my fault, it's the fault of your officials. They've been doing this since donkey's years, no one has called them out on it. They go and poach your player and that player, if I had sold, I would have made 20 lakhs. Because of those 20 lakhs, I would have been able to get four players next year. And if that guy is not there, I will not be able to get those four players. I probably get relegated. That's the difference of me getting the 20 lakhs and not getting the 20 lakhs. Right. East Bengal is just like trying to save five lakhs because he's trying to poach my player without paying me that five lakh transfer fees or 20 lakh transfer fees, which I thought was unfair. And because I had the entire record, we went and took, the, took it up and that's why they were banned. Now, uh, uh, there's been a drastic change because now clubs know that they are clubs who are willing to enforce the clause, which is that if you, you cannot approach a player if you've got more than six months left on the contract. And this right. happened now, two years ago. So forget about solidarity fees. Even players in the professional clubs were being poached by other clubs just because they liked it. Sure. And they, some of them were breaking contracts in the middle of the contract. They used to say, I don't want to play. I just don't want to play. I don't feel like playing. I got some family problems. You please let me go. And you say, okay, fine. And you just let him go. And after two, after 10 days, you come to know that he's playing against you in the same league. So these things have happened to us. So you don't think we, there at this point in time, there's, this is going to change or we can work towards bringing this into... I think we can. We can definitely work towards it. If there's an actual campaign and we have all the academies come together and I think you and I can lead it. I don't mind doing it. We should have one campaign and we should have a campaign that uh, solidarity payments should uh, be made immediately made to, uh, starting immediately from now on, this principle should be followed because it'll, it's a win-win situation for everyone. Well, yeah, because look, uh, I mean, you're saying it's not the interest top clubs, but it's just math. It costs more money to develop a player than take a free agent as on date. Exactly. But then why? why Simple. So why the incentive to invest in grassroots for the people who are only top focused, it's just passion. And that 
there's not enough of that to sustain the That's, system. They have to, so, they have to understand. If yeah. If was good enough for doing this, then we would have had thousands of academies. Of course, of course, of course. So it's not so, Well, I, my only suggestion is we keep trying and, and maybe, no, you know, even try. I mean, you're saying he won't listen, but maybe we should try. You, know, you never know. I you think, never know. Oh, I think we should always try. We should try immediately because you know? unless you try, you won't know. We only try. Worst, I, worst I can say is no. Exactly. So how do you think we should, do you think we should just have a campaign and you know, we have all the academies just sign on to the campaign? I think we, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not, politics has never been my forte, but uh, I like to try the nice way. Can we have a conversation? Can we have a meeting and just talk about it and see what comes out of it? If, before, before you got to go to campaign mode, you know. For a meeting, it took us four months to get a meeting. Well, you know, things change. You got to keep talking. You know, I don't know. Maybe it goes nowhere. But I've, I've learned one thing is if you keep talking, eh, you know. Write to them and see. Let's, let's try up. it. Let's try it and say, let's have a conversation, a meeting. Because I know this would interest thousands of people involved in grassroots today. Because it can change, it can change the, the, a lot of the incentives we all have. Overnight. 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 Overnight, it becomes a thing which has got, so, okay, so you've got a way of making a livelihood from it, man. So imagine. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an incentive. It's a motivation. It's, it helps get investment. It's got a lot of positives to it. I'm sure there's negatives to it, but the negatives far are far you know, smaller compared to what could come from it. The bitterness, because every time one of my boys goes and plays with somebody and he gets told five crores, the bitterness I feel is unbelievable. Of course, absolutely. Of my hard work. Absolutely. I, I think let's, you know, let's try the, the feedback way and the discussion way and see where we can take it. I, I'm sure plenty of people would like to see this happen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, um, Ranji, thank you for joining us again. Uh, it's a time of change for you, I guess, with this is a big decision. I, you know, I know, you know, you're a, uh, we do talk a lot uh, about things and, and I, I've always admired uh, the way you've, you know, you've not only you've given players to the national team, you've had success, you, you know, Minerva, uh, you, you came second in your first year in the second division, uh, you, you, you won the I league in two years. Uh, you guys have done great things, and I think that, you know, I've always admired you for your courage as you fought that battle, uh, uh, which, you know, it, it was pretty clear that, that, that they wanted a closed league. I mean, that, that, and you, you kind of hung out and stuck it out till the end, and I, I, uh, I think that that's to be admired. I've always admired that, that courage you've had, and uh, I know people will uh, – that there's criticism that comes with it. I also admire how, you know, you just – let it go and keep going forward with what you believe in. And uh, I, I wish you all the best with this decision you've made uh, to focus on your academy and youth for now. And, um, you know, uh, we'll, be, we'll be staying in touch and watching how things go. And let's connect again about what we can do on these solidarity payments. I want to tell you, it's always, it's always a pleasure and always a pleasure only interacting with you. Uh, but since the very beginning, I found that you know, there's only probably one club in the second division 
who is as professional and doing the things the right way and going about it with the right approach was Fateh Hyderabad and that's all credit to you. And in fact, you are uh, somewhat like me, that means you are a very hands-on owner and you like to sweat it out on the fields with the boys as well and you are there right now, you know. So there are a lot of things which we like to do, uh, which no owners do and we we both understand how much hard work it takes just to run one single team, forget about running five teams in the same plum and doing it in a year, in spite and despite of having a federation who is making it so tough for us. But uh, it's always a pleasure to be here and I really hope that our dream, that in our lifetime we see our country in the World Cup and we have a couple of boys from Minerva, a couple of boys from Fateh Hyderabad in the Indian team. Sure. We'll be having... Sure. We'll be, uh, giving each other chairs soon. Hopefully this is over and we all come out better and stronger for it. Thank you, Ranjit. Stay safe. Thank you very much. And thank you to, uh, to Henna for allowing you to uh, give us this time. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank Cheers. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.